0: Welcome to the Ian Bowsfield Experience. I'm glad you're here. This series of podcasts are just things that come up in my mind when I'm thinking about playing, when I'm thinking about teaching, and general thoughts about music. There are some things here that I hope you'll find really useful. And don't forget, if you've got any comments or if there's anything you want to discuss further, go to ianbowsfield.com. This is something that I've wanted to discuss with you for a while. It's about what we consume, what we put in our mouths, what we put in our ears and what we put in our eyes, all different forms of consuming. Now, I bet you most of the people listening to this are far more aware and conscious of what you put in your mouth, what your nutrition is, what you eat and the health benefits thereof. Far more aware, that is, than what you put in your ears or your eyes. But they're almost equally important. For a healthy musical diet, what we put in our ears is extremely important. But let me start with the um, diet, the actual what we eat. Um, When I first went to Vienna, I keep saying that, don't I? It was the first time I encountered people, colleagues, who were weighing their food out. They were going to sports scientists, to dietitians, to find, having blood tests, to find out what their body needed, what the best diet, what the best nutrition for them was. They had personal trainers, all in the aim of improving that, getting that extra 0.1% of performance. Before a big concert, before an audition or whatever. And I was really impressed with this, you know. At that that point, yeah, I liked my food, as my mother would say. I used to like my food, but I was a bit more into kebabs and that sort of thing. Um, So here is my journey, my own personal journey through diet. Um, I am not an authority on this. Um, I'm just telling you my personal experiences because diet along with everything else that goes to making us the best musician and the best trombone player is one of the components um, that will give us those extra few percent of advantage and I would do anything to play the trombone better it's been my lifelong goal to become as good a player as I possibly can I'll probably never be as good as I'd like to be, but I try every which way for help. When I was uh, younger, when I was like 19, 20, when I first started in the profession, you know, I thought it was important to eat plenty before a concert. It's a bit like the footballers, you know, they used to have roast beef and Yorkshire pudding before they went to play a game of football. Now that'd be totally frowned upon. I think they even used to have a beer or something as well. It's, It's unimaginable. But back then it was like, you know, you have a pie, you have some chips, you know, you have a pizza, you have a lasagna, whatever, you have a kebab, you make sure you've had plenty to eat, you know? And I noticed particularly when I ate pasta with a lot of cheese on it, I felt like crap afterwards, my body, I was more likely to get nervous. My body was going into kind of shock. And in my case, in my personal case, I believe, I. Strongly believed that when I eat a lot of carbohydrate, it's immediately converted into sugar. Now, some people could deal with that, some people can't. I can't. I find that very difficult to deal with. And oh, if only I knew then what I know now. <laughs> Life would have been much easier. And the journey that I went on with diet, you know, it's. Don't drink too much coffee before you play, don't, you know, overdo the alcohol, all of that sort of stuff. Um, Back then, I seriously never considered that having a glass of wine the day before a concert would, when I say a glass, you know what I mean, um, (laughs) would seriously have an effect on how I performed the next day. You know, as long as you didn't overdo it and weren't feeling too rough, what's the problem? Well... In, in, in my situation and again this is layman's stuff i'm giving you my take on this i'm not advising you you all have to go and make your own journeys and but what i want to do is make you aware of a journey that you should probably go on what's the healthiest diet for you not just as a musician but as a person um you know tea coffee Coffee does not work with me. I love it. I love the smell of it. It's a bit like pipe tobacco. I love the smell of that, but it tastes horrible. Um, uh, you know, it's this morning, my, my wife bought some fresh coffee, and, and I don't know whether she spilled some in the car, but the coffee, the car smelled bloody amazing. And uh, it's better than drinking this stuff. Now, I don't drink coffee anymore. I've stopped. I've, I've personally worked out that, Any periods of ill health that I've had have been related to what I've been drinking, drinking coffee. Now, I'm an obsessive personality type, so you know those Italian coffee machines, what they call pavoni. I have one in the cellar, you know, the ones with the big evil eagles, not an evil, an eagle on the top, and they make fantastic espressos. I I used to drink between eight and 12 espressos a day for about 10 years, Um, which doesn't surprise you. If, it's an op- if you're an obsessive compulsive sort of, you know, you, then, you know, you, if you're going to have an obsessive personality type, you're going to do that. And after about 10 years, my body, in no uncertain terms, decided that that was not a good thing. And I got kind of permanent flu-like symptoms until I stopped. It was an intolerance. I've sporadically gone back to coffee since then, and I've always got ill. I drink Japanese green tea. I drink Sencha green tea, but not exclusively. There are some wonderful Chinese teas as well. And of course, being an obsessive personality type, I use um, Contrex mineral water. This is not sponsored by Contrex. It's very high in magnesium, and it brings out the really the the best elements in the green tea. And I will start my day with that. I love it and move on to black tea later on. Not with milk. So I I wonder, but it's a little insight into, you know, how seriously I take these things. The, uh, you know, throughout, in the early, late 1990s, early 2000s, I was one of those joggers. I used to go and run for an hour, an hour and a half every other day. And I was fat. (laughs) Because I probably ate too much and drank too much. But i really looking back on it. I think it was the amount of carbohydrates that I ate. It just wasn't good for me. And um, in 2008, in the summer, I went on near as damn it what you'd call a histamine free diet. It's nothing preserved. Everything that we eat has varying levels of histamine. For those of you who don't know what histamine is, the layman's term is you know, when you get stung by a mosquito or bee, it swells up. And that Reaction of your body, uh, Joe Award, if you're listening to this, I apologize for my appalling medical knowledge, but that histamine is what protects you and causes the swelling. Now, my feeling was, the higher the sort of base histamine levels in my body, the more my lips swelled up when I was playing. And when I was in Vienna, I was doing a lot of bloody playing. Now, I play dry. My lips are dry when I play, but we all kind of move a little bit, even if it's thousandth of an inch, 10,000 times a day, the wind is just gently rubbing on your face, and I think the more you play, the more your lips swell up. That was my experience anyway, and it was a source of great consternation for me, you know what? To wake up in the morning. Oh no, how swollen are my lips after the Gute Demerol that we played last night? Or whatever. And so I went on this diet, which was histamine free. Now everything. The worst offenders for histamine: it's spirits, whiskey, gin, brandy. Get rid of them. Don't do it. Uh, wine. Red wine is the next highest. Then white wine. Then beer. But they all contain a lot of histamines. Overload your body with histamines. Cheese. Preserved meats. Spinach. Tomatoes. Preserved fish. The only nut that doesn't have a lot of histamine is the almond. As far as I'm aware. And so nothing out of a tin. Everything fresh. So, you know, I ate basically what I ate when I was a kid. What used to call meat and two veg. A bit of roasted, fried, cooked meat or fish and uh, vegetables fresh vegetables pretty good for you that's that was Ian Bowsfield version 2008 and I lost a heck of a lot of weight no tea no coffee no alcohol no dairy produce all of that sort of stuff and I lost a heck of a lot of weight and I was waking up at five o'clock in the morning raring to go so much energy. It was incredible. Did a lot of work. I was very, very uh, happy. Very optimistic. Um, and then, you know, I actually did it in the run-up to the series of Rota concertos that I played with the Vienna Philharmonic and Riccardo Muti. So I did that for three or four months and shed the weight. I mean, I really, and you know, felt great. And um, <laughs> the last... The last Rota concerto I did was on a Sunday morning season concert. And uh, I finished at 12 o'clock. And I opened a bottle of uh, Chablis at 2 o'clock. And that was the end of my diet. Actually, that was not true. That wasn't the end of my diet. I then looked after myself pretty well. Um, and drunk, how would one describe it, socially. <laughs> um, and tried to follow the diet as much as I could. Over the years, it kind of slipped, etc., etc. Um, Another diet that I have tried for the last couple of years has been um, the carbohydrate-free diet, which has had a similar sort of thing. Now, what I've come to realize is all of these diets in my case have been about reducing the inflammation in my body. So it's about my body not struggling to cope with what I'm putting in it. I've done all the tests. I don't really have any allergies, fortunately, um, and so I did the the carbohydrate free. And where I am right now is I'm <laughs> part time vegan. <laughs> I'm a vegan Monday to Friday at the moment because we're all in lockdown, you know. So I don't, I'm not touring around at the moment. I live vegan Monday to Friday. And then at the weekend I do what the heck I want, and I so I live. Alcohol-free, vegan, drinking green tea Monday to Friday. And then um, at the weekend, I uh, eat steaks. (laughs) But that the only reason ever to do any diet, as far as I can see, from my point of view, is if you feel better. If it makes you feel good, it's right. If you feel healthier, if you're sleeping better, if you feel less heavy if you feel less on the the effects of inflammation in your body if you're thinking clearer then that's a good diet isn't it you know and working that out you know either in combination with a professional or just you know trying for yourself I suppose is you know is a, is a good thing to do um so I'm not giving you and let listen let me tell you I am not here being advised by lawyers saying you must put a disclaimer in i'm not putting a disclaimer in for any um, legal reasons i'm putting a disclaimer in because i'm not a bloody expert (laughs) i'm telling you about my experiences the the main moral of this story is please be careful what you eat be very careful and and measure and weigh very carefully the effects it has on your body because your long-term health not only as a musician but as a human being you know is largely dependent on what you eat. The next part of discussing what we consume is what we listen to what we put in our ears. Now it's become very clear to you that what we eat and drink is very important Have you ever considered how important it is what we listen to? The young brain, the young mind is a sponge. It will soak up anything. And what we consume, what we listen to is of paramount importance, particularly when we're young. Um, I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but when I was a kid, you made a recording if you were a legend. You know, when I was a kid, there were pretty much no trombone recordings. I think Ralph Sauer and Ron Barron were probably the first ones. Um, you know, but it was Maurice Andre. It was Dennis Brain. Philip Jones Brass Ensemble. You know, it was these were seriously amazing. If it was piano, Arthur Rubinstein, if you bought us a, a record, an LP, the chances are it was... The Vienna Philharmonic with Furtwängler, or the Berlin Philharmonic, or Chicago with Reiner or Cleveland with Zell, those incredible recordings. So the curation was already done for us, the weeding out was done. If you went, you could almost just uh, go into a record shop and say, Oh, could I have, um, could I have a recording of Rachmaninoff's Second Symphony, please? And they'd probably go to the racks and bring you the Eugene Ormandy with the Philadelphia Orchestra. If you haven't heard that it's bloody wonderful i grew up listening to it you know it's you want to, oh could i have Marv last please neck a on it with carol anshall there you go <laughs> if only it was like that today i feel so sorry for young players now trying to find their way um, through this minefield um We are aiming to make ourselves the best. Why would we possibly listen to anything that wasn't the best? Now, before we go on, (laughs) on that point, a good friend of mine once said, less evolved people always want to look for the best that someone's given them, done the work for them. The best suit is this. This is the best car. This is the best conductor this is the best orchestra this is the best trombone player so they don't have to think about it for themselves someone's already done the work for them it's like Robert Parker giving those point systems on on wine you know this is a 94 point wine this is a 99 point wine it must be good rather than working it out for yourself someone's done the work for you you don't have to think so when I say the best what I mean is looking for the ultimate, looking for the finest sound, the finest articulation, the finest expression, the finest da, da 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 Making your brain work and listening to try and find out what the ultimate is, and then consuming a diet. Yes, a diet exclusively of the best. Oh. And it is so difficult, because and I really do, teachers, you know, it drives us bloody crazy, you know. You say to someone, did you listen to this piece? And they say, yeah, I listened to it. Oh, really? Which recording? Don't know. I you mean you don't know? Well, it was on YouTube. Yeah, but what you're listening to is really important. Um, oh, oh, sorry. And, <laughs> and they're also repeat offenders. I'll ask them the same thing a month later and I'll get the same answer. And so, work... With your teacher. It's going to be another podcast. I'm going to curate this for you. I saw Christian Lindbergh recently gave his curation of who you should listen to. And I was um, deeply honoured and flattered to be on his extremely short list of trombone players who were worth listening to. He would certainly be on mine. Um, so, ask your teacher... Ask the best musicians you can. What do you listen to? What would you recommend I listen to? Who do you recommend I listen to? Which recording? Which pianist? Which violinist? For goodness sake, if you're just listening to trombone players, stop doing it. <laughs> we try hard, but you'll find the best musicians are elsewhere. <laughs> I said in a previous podcast, you know, that there were no great brass players. Great musicians, no great brass players. Fantastic brass players. No great musicians playing a brass instrument. And, and and I meant that on a Pavarotti, Perlman, Barenboim, you know, Lang Lang sort of level, that we don't, Maria Callas, we don't reach those, and have never really reached those heights. And someone wrote and asked a question about why did I think that was the case? And I guess that's some work that I need to do to try and, argue that case so that people are not totally insulted but I kind of come to the conclusion that if I don't think I'm a great musician other people shouldn't be offended by not being great musicians either uh, I certainly don't consider myself a great musician I try I do my best as we all must so go to the best musicians you know and ask them what they listen to ask them what they think you should listen to I've had students over the years who've come and said, Oh, I listen to this, hey, what do you think? What do you think? You know, it's good, it's good, yeah, it's good. And I say, Yeah, it's good, yeah, yeah it's okay, yeah, it's good, good. And they look at me, Oh, no, it's good. I say, yeah, it's good, yep, yeah. is that the best? Well, I, I don't know, you know. Is that, you know, you listen to a French piece dance. Why are you listening to a nameless trombone player? on YouTube have you listened to Michelle Becke do it no well why don't you start there (laughs) and it's the same with listening to Mahler symphonies you know have you been through the Bernstein recordings the Schulte recordings you know and the Abado recordings listen to them they're the finest make your own decisions how we and here's a massive podcast that's coming up it it drives me crazy that You know, the voice. The voice is the window to the fantasy. As a teacher, we can see what's going on in your little brains up there when you sing. I don't accept students saying I can't sing. Sorry, you sing. (laughs) We all sing. Because that way we can hear what you really want to do. Because there's so much teaching that's based on. We want you to fulfill the fantasy that you have in your head. Brilliant. Yep. I go with that too. I like it as well. But when we sing, we find out just what the instruction is that's coming from the student's brain. And a scary um, a scary thing it is from time to time. <laughs> so we need to inform the brain. We need to show the brain greatness. We need to... It's, And also not only just listening, someone says, okay, there's Paulini's recording of of whatever, the Debussy Preludes or whatever, you know, so you listen to that. It's not a question of hearing the sounds, it's a question of being able to decipher those sounds. What is the finesse? What is the beauty? Once you know, once I know, once we know what um, greatness is, we'll do it. Um, So please be very, very, very careful what you eat and what you listen to. I'm going to do another podcast, as I say, with the curation of that. And now number three as to what we consume, what we put into our eyes, what we look at. Our well-being as human beings, as musicians, as performers... Depends very much on our emotional state. And I know that many of you out here will have experienced the disturbance of going on to Facebook and pressing the video button at the bottom, which I do. Those stupid videos are wonderful. And <laughs> I do it like just like you do. I do the same thing. I watch it. But every now and then there's a video on there that I think, I really wish I hadn't seen that some form of aggression or violence and you think what a way to start your day or what a way for me to to, before i go to bed at night you know it's like what on earth is that and so this is a bit more of a sort of like collegial or a fatherly word of advice Um, there's obviously a massive elephant in the room (laughs) here that i'm not going to mention the word But be very careful what you put in your eyes. The emotional distress that it can create can um, render all of that wonderful practice that you do and all of the wonderful work that you do on your diet and what you listen to, it can render all of that useless. Now, I'm not saying that you should only ever watch the Waltons. (laughs) As... as, um, Uh, George Bush Jr. once said, possibly one of the only things I agreed with what he said. Um, (laughs) He said, the world would be a better place if we spent more time watching the Waltons than the Simpsons. I love the Simpsons, but he had a point. I used to love the Waltons as well when I was a kid. Um, But please um, be aware That I would put equal importance on all three of those things that we consume. Sounds like I'm preaching, doesn't it? Sounds like I'm lecturing. Um, You know, guys, girls, friends, colleagues, I'm human too. Um, I'm speaking to you very much here from personal experience. I'm not lecturing you. I'm telling you of my experiences and hopefully that will help you in some way. Hmm. Was that a bit of a heavy podcast? Well, I think you probably tell that those three things are something that's very close uh, to my mind and an integral part of my teaching and also an integral part of the way that I prepare myself as a musician. Um, I wish you all the very best of health with everything that you consume. And particularly at this time, for those of you listening this some years later, this is at the time of the coronavirus be well, be careful, protect your grandparents, look after yourselves, and stay well. So, there you go. I hope you enjoyed that. If there are any issues that you found particularly interesting, don't forget to contact me and always go to uh, ianbouselou.com for lots more interesting stuff.